Section 230 of the Communication Decency Act is under scrutiny once again after certain stories and individuals have been uh, shut down for sharing those stories on social media. Trump asks the DOJ to investigate Hunter Biden and the final presidential debate between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Which way does the election seem to be going? My name is Noah Huey, and this is Under the Stars. back to another week. Uh, this week, we got the final presidential election and uh, much, much more. Uh, but first of all, I'd like to remind you to follow my Instagram. That's at Huey Noah. That's at H-U-G-H-E-Y-N-O-A-H. That's at Huey Noah. I have, uh, you can support my show by buying uh, merch if that's what you're, if that's what you're interested in. It'll be on my website on the shop section. Um, yeah, so check that out. Also, my new book, Yes Master, is now available on Amazon for $17.99. Uh, check it out. It's a pretty succinct description of many of my ideals and many of my political convictions, I suppose you could say, when it comes to certain engines that run our discourse and our government. Um, so if that's something you're interested in, if you're interested in having your beliefs challenged, if you're interested in reaffirming maybe the beliefs you already have or something to that extent, um, I'd just recommend you check it out if that's, if that's something you're interested in. But first, uh, the presidential debate was set to have muted mics for the non-open speech portion of the final debate on Thursday. So, for the debate on, on Thursday, uh, this I'm actually going to skim over this since I'm going to talk about the whole debate um, in just a minute. Um, the, the Commission on Presidential Debates set a new rule that both campaigns agreed to, though the Trump campaign was reluctant to agree to it, that uh, microphones could be muted, should the candidates interrupt each other, which um, I would say didn't happen. Um, the Trump campaign essentially was trying to make an argument uh, to, to a certain extent that that could lead to corruption and one-sided partisanship, but the truth is that's, that hasn't happened. That didn't happen in the first debate. It, it, um, it, it just doesn't seem to be happening as much as, as Trump and many Republicans are arguing. Um, so it, it, the cause for concern that the Trump campaign was, um, was making out didn't seem to be based in anything besides personal convictions and hopefully maybe possibly using it to demonize Democrats. Um, and, of course, mainstream news, which to an extent, you know, that makes sense. But on the other hand, um, given the precedent, it seems fairly ridiculous to make this assumption when it doesn't seem to be happening. But... This is going to be old news in a couple minutes when I actually get into the meat of the debate. That's why I'm only talking about, like, three other things. Um, Section 230 of the Communication Decency Act is under scrutiny again after censorship of certain individuals and stories. The specific story I'm talking about 
is the, um, I believe, the Joe Biden story. They, the big tech CEOs, once again, it feels like they've been called like four or five times, uh, have been called to testify uh, pr- this previous day before the Senate about censorship. So the Senate Commerce Committee called for the leaders of Facebook, Twitter, and Google to testify Wednesday amid outrage over censorship of articles damaging to former Vice President Joe Biden. The chair of the committee, Senator Roger Wicker, a Republican for Mississippi, announced the hearing will uh, examine whether big tech should be afford- should still be afforded liability protections under the Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act, or whether the federal shield has, quote, outlived its usefulness in today's digital age. The announced witnesses for the 10 a.m. hearing on October 28th... Oh, I'm not sorry. Or I'm not sorry. I'm sorry. It's not this previous Wednesday. It's its upcoming Wednesday. Um, are the witnesses for the 10 a.m. hearing on the 28th are, are Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey, Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, and, and Sundar uh, Pikai, I think it's pronounced, CEO of Alphabet and Google. The hearing comes as Twitter took extraordinary steps to stop to stop the social media spread of the New York Post article, articles on purported emails from Hunter Biden that allegedly linked the former vice president to his son's business dealings in Ukraine. Twitter went so far as to lock the account of the newspaper and the Trump campaign for tweeting about the New York Post's findings, claiming the article violated Twitter rules. Twitter has since backed off and announced new policies. Quote, straight blocking of URLs was wrong, and we updated our policy enforcement to fix, Dorsey tweeted on Friday. Our goal is to attempt to add context, and now we have capabilities to do that. Um, But the suppression of the articles caused outrage amongst Republicans, with President Trump and others calling for a repeal of Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act of 1996 that states no provider or user of interactive computer service shall be treated as the publisher or speaker of any information provided by another information content provider. The section has been pivotal in the rise of today's media giants by allowing not only internet service providers, but also Google, Twitter, and Facebook, and YouTube, and others, to be shielded from liability from content posted on their platform by third parties, in most cases. But some critics on the right feel that the tech giants should no longer benefit from the protections of Section 230 if they censor conservative viewpoints, including controversial postings by President Trump. Quote, it is clear that the Section 230 in its current form is no longer working. Representative Kevin McCarthy, a Republican for California, said Thursday. It is time to scrap the law and start over, McCarthy added. Wednesday's scheduled appearance for the tech executives may just be the beginning. The Senate Judiciary Committee will vote on Tuesday on a subpoena for Dorsey to testify before the committee on Friday, October 23rd, today, and Senator Josh Howley, Republican for Montana, is pushing for Zuckerberg to be included, too. Hawley already wrote the Facebook and Twitter executives to testify before his Judiciary Subcommittee on Crime and Terrorism at a date to be determined. The focus that he- that hearing would be on election interference and whether social media companies violated campaign finance law by suppressing the articles of Biden. Quote, the attempt to rig an election, which is what we're seeing here by monopolies, is unprecedented in American history, Hawley said. They have gone, they have a lot to answer for. Um, when it when we go to as far as talking about whether or not these companies actually deserve uh, uh, protections under Section 230 of the um, Communication Decency Act of 1996, I-, I think that's an arguable case. Now, a very, very long time ago, in a land far away where I was a hardcore Republican conservative, um, I did an, an actual live stream debate that was some two hours long, I want to say, on what is now the dead Twitch channel of Under the Stars. Uh, where I gen- where I generated where I debated the um, the Instagram account owner um, what was it called it's a dead account now too um, 
Generation Z left wing. So there's a very prominent right wing political pay Instagram page on on Instagram, uh, Generation Z dot right wing. Um, he was very I, I when I and I don't know if I even follow him anymore. I don't think I do. Um, right there at the beginning, I'm actually now checking to see if I follow him. Generation, generate, do I? F- oh, no, I don't. Okay. Um, used to. Uh, but there used to be an account. I don't know. There used to be an account that was called Generation uh, Z Left Wing. And it was basically trying to be the counter to that. Because it's a very prominent page, the right wing one. I don't know how I got entangled in it, but somehow I was invited to do a debate, and I thought, oh, that, that would be nice. Um, it was very civil. We, we actually, I, that was the period with which I was beginning to see that, uh, that these partisan um, ideals more so disillusion your goals rather than actually um, fine code, not fine code them, but um, kind of go through them and make them even finer when it comes to the confines of liberty, of, of our natural rights and such. It actually disillusions you and kind of smudges your personal opinion into your grasp of the natural rights and of legal precedent. Um, But we held this debate, it was very civil, and we talked about this, actually, about this idea of conservatives being censored. Now, in the time, as, when I look back thinking about from an outside uh, position looking in, I can say that I've seen, I have seen it. I've definitely seen it. Do I think... Well, here's the thing, though. Back then, if you would have asked me, do you think that um, people who have power over the um, moderation of content, over uh, of over the idea of like controlling how whether or not people can see your account if you're conservative, do you think that a lot of the people in high places, maybe not the CEOs, but do you think people in high places in these companies are trying to censor right-wingers? I would have told you... Not at all, actually, which is ironic, because now I actually do think that. Not only because of um, certain actions that are being taken that I can see um, that are more blatant than others against certain political ideologies online, I actually also have heard it directly from these content moderators. There's a group, there's an organization, uh, Project Veritas. It, I'm not going to say it's unbiased. It, it's everything but unbiased. However it does at least reveal the bias of the other side, especially involved in these companies. And I've heard, just if you scroll through their account and watch their videos on, on Instagram or on YouTube, you'll find countless videos of, of people in very prominent positions in, uh, in, um, over these apps, over Instagram, over Twitter, more specifically over YouTube, who admit that even though it's not a spoken rule, Um, they all generally have the same political ideology, which happens to be left or liberal. And so what they do is they're like, okay, so there's no spoken rule, but why don't we just kind of push on and, 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 and kind of, they do this thing called shadow banning where essentially you, um, even though you're active and all that, you're, it's like there's a wall put up, an invisible wall put up between you and how people can find you. And so it becomes extra hard for people to see your posts, for people to comment and like and all that. Um, and it's essentially to shut down the opinions that they disagree with. So, yes, I will say I see it happening. Now, under the under the context of whether or not this means let's take away Section 230 protections. Now... When it comes to Section 230 protections, it was very important when when all these inst- when all these online media sites and when Google and when Twitter and all that when all these things were so young and little and they were starting um, they needed that, I think, 
I think it was pivotal. It is pivotal. No, I'll say it was. It was pivotal to um, to their ability to be able to have have such wide user bases that are so different and being able to post and say so many things, essentially to uphold the notion of freedom of speech online without without someone going, well, Twitter said this, let's shut down Twitter. Um, but I think the question may, may need to be taken into call here because Twitter did recently ban, or not ban, block the story from the New York Times, the one I read directly to, the, to you, um, the viewers of this show or the listeners of this show, either last week or the week before, um, about Hunter Biden and the business dealings in Ukraine and the email that said, thank you for introducing me to Joe. Um, that's the, the article that's being blocked. And now what Jack says, where he goes, where he says that, uh, that it, uh, that it's straight blocking of URLs, that it was wrong, that the policy has been updated and the goal is to add context I just don't see how or why that was happening. Why do you need to add context to it? The If you really read through it, and I mean actually read through it, I don't mean skim over it or read what someone else tells you about it. I mean actually do what I did and read through that whole article and just read through all the details. There's plenty of context to explain everything that's going on, to explain why they have these pictures, to explain why they have screenshots of the emails, to explain where things are going, where they came from. I think the New York, I think the the post summed it up quite articulately, actually. Um, and so I don't see where the context was needed. And like somehow it violated their terms of service. And another bad thing about these companies, I think, is that they never have to, it's almost like they never have to, no one, they're never obligated to actually explain why they do things. I'm currently um, disabled on Instagram from liking or commenting on posts. I got that ability back for solid, like two hours and then it went right back away. Instagram doesn't have to tell me why. And it doesn't tell me why I had to search it up and figure out how that happens because I've nothing Instagram, no site I'm ever on has ever taken action against me. And I find that kind of surprising that suddenly Instagram thinks I'm violating stuff, which is why they removed those privileges. Um, now, in my situation, I think it's because I have a bad habit of just scrolling and liking every post I see and saving them to the little saved post fold, I'll call them folders that I have. And um, so my activity is very similar to that of a, of a bot. And so I think the app is beginning to confuse me with a bot. And so it's keeping me from liking posts. So stuff like that's good. But um, I did think that was funny. But... But it didn't have to explain to me why it does that. I think that can end up being potentially dangerous when you have to go through 15 steps to figure out why you can't like someone's post. Because I'm, I mean, I'm just assuming that that's why. I can understand that that would be why, but I don't know. Because the, the app, I've never gotten any clarification on here's why we're stopping you from liking posts right now. Um, and here's what you can do to help us figure out whether or not you're a bot. Because it's an automatic system. And I think... Re- even though that auto, auto, this automatic system can be very helpful, I think um, having that human interaction where they're able to say, well, that clearly isn't a bot, or, you know, let's work... We, there needs to be the two-way connection. You can't really have that with the bot that's automated to react a certain way to certain things, and you can't have that com- conversation on, you know, what's going on and, and how to solve it. Um, but in terms of Section 230, I think it was very important when these businesses were starting up, but as they've gotten larger and larger and larger, thanks to the fact that they are not held uh, um, accountable for any of the things that they are being, um, they are doing and saying. Well, 
and I'm just thinking out loud here. I'm just trying to th rationally think through this while I'm thinking, while I'm talking. So it's very annoying because I'm trying to do two, two things at once and I I'm very bad at doing that. Um, with these, with these uh, companies who are, who are now very well established, lots of money behind Facebook, behind Twitter, um, behind Instagram, behind Snapchat even. Um, with them, with their... I don't know if the word unequivocal applies here, but with their... I think there's a word that could fit here better. I, I think it's called unadulterated. I'm not going to use that word, but with their necessarily unfiltered control of we can block these certain things and say that it's our guidelines and not actually explain which ones they are. And when they do, it's often very loose interpretations of the guidelines. It makes it apparent that there may be political bias. Now, in the, in terms of the of the Hunter Biden story, do I think it was blocked because of political, political violence? Most definitely. Um, I think it's um, very damaging to Joe Biden's image. Um, it was very damaging out a week or two before the last presidential election. And so, of course, they want to block it. Um, because, first of all, they know the American people don't have the intellectual freedom. Intellectual? Yeah, intellectual freedom to break, to be like, okay, so here's a bad thing this guy did. Here's a bad guy, bad thing this guy did. Let me, let me find the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth option candidates that do exist and are often immensely better in every humanly possible way um, than either of the two main guys ever in the last 200 years. They know nobody's going to do that, so they have to at least make the guy... They, ha they need to level out the playing field because ultimately what Republicans and Democrats have to do online anyway and do with the uh, misinformation campaigns they throw against each other and with the propaganda they shove down everyone's throats about each other and about themselves, um, they have to... They have to keep people from realizing that they are basically the same when it comes to moral character um, and stuff like that. Anyways, back to the main issue at hand when it comes to the situation. I think scrutinizing Section 230 protections may be a bit of an overreach. I don't see how necessarily changing Section 230 will necessarily solve this problem. And maybe I'm just stupid because I haven't read that law in a long time. I, I last researched it like two or three years ago. <laughs> and I don't remember what I read whatsoever. So I, I'm not going to push for anything too extremely because I can't fully remember anything. But I do think calling out Section 230 specifically may be a bit in the wrong direction, if that makes any sense. I do think companies... I think these online sources are do likely have bias, and they are likely using it, and they and they do need more controls and more regulations. And I think um, I think it's just going to be a matter of time until something like that may be ever to may ever possibly happen. So just barely before the debates, uh, Trump is asking the DOJ to investigate Hunter Biden about, ironically, about the same story. Uh, I really don't want to watch this video that's coming up. I had to make sure my sound was off. Anyways, 
President Trump on Tuesday morning urged Attorney General William Barr to immediately investigate the Ukraine overseas business deals of Hunter Biden, the son of Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden, following a news report that suggests the younger Biden had successfully arranged a meeting with his father for a top executive at the Ukraine energy company. The Biden campaign has disputed the New York Post story, adding no such saying and said no such meeting appears on Biden's official schedule from the time in question. Quote, we have got to get the attorney general to act, end quote, Trump said on Fox News roughly two weeks before Election Day. Quote, he's got to act and he's got to act fast, end quote. The president called on Barr to appoint somebody to investigate a move likely intended to try and defend the uh, defend against expected accusations that the findings will be politically motivated. This is major corruption. This has to be known about before the election, Trump said. A New York Post said last week hi- highlighted recently discovered emails pur- uh, purportedly from a laptop and hard drive left by Hunter Biden or someone, it was actually a mystery person, at a repair shop that suggests in 2015 he arranged a meeting with his father for an executive from Burisma Holdings, the Ukrainian energy company long enveloped by corruption allegations. The younger Biden served on Burisma's board while his father was the Obama and was the Obama administration point man for Ukraine. Former Vice President Biden has repeatedly denied any knowledge of his son's business dealings in the country. Now, First of all, is President Trump, what was President Trump's move to get this investigated as soon as possible? It has to be done. has to be done now, because if we don't do it now, Biden will be elected, and then I won't. And then who's going to fight him and tell him he's dumb then? Explain that to me, libtards. Um, do I think that's politically motivated? Does it seem that that's motivated in every possible way? When we when we look at it from an outside perspective, looking in, and we take a, and we take into account that there there was an election and a final debate, uh, hardly a couple days after, hardly a couple days, um, after his after these comments. Let me think. Is it days? I I can't find a publishing date. There it is. Yeah, just a couple days, let me think about that, just two, yeah, two days away from, nearly two days away, um, two or three days away from the final debate, uh, what's it, two, what, I think it's two weeks away from the election, like, obviously, every, everything, here's the thing, what I've come to the conclusion after extensive assessment on the mannerisms of political parties of the people who function within these parties any good or fa- or or correct notion they follow this like investigations of corruption against the other candidate that happens to be true or happens to be like a positive thing that could affect people positively if actually done i've come to a conclusion that af- that um that's never the goal like even though i think there is corruption with the bidens that is being just completely covered up likely because biden is a former vice president, so, you know, he can kind of just wipe things under the rug and nobody would notice. Um, like, yeah, sure, that never happens. All, all right, buddy. Um, apparently, the United States government and the Democratic Party and Joe Biden's campaign think we all live in the 1950s where everyone thinks the government can do no wrong, which is a load of crap. The government is the one place where bad things just kind of disappear off the face of the earth. Like, of course that could happen. And I definitely think it likely did. Um, I think this this computer ever showing up anywhere and becoming public news was likely never intended to happen. If this computer definitely exists, it was picked up, I think, by the FBI. And apparently they're just holding it right now. Um, so 
yeah, there's lots of shady business going on around here. But but I don't think even for a minute Trump was thinking, oh, man, this could be really bad. I mean, if this guy, this could be really bad. Let's help. I got to help the people because this guy, the people deserve to know whether or not, you know, a future president, a possible future president was involved in a corrupt business, a blatantly corrupt business that he has already made himself look suspicious with. Like, no, he was thinking, he was thinking, Biden is polling ahead of me in basically every poll I've seen. I need to make him look bad. He sees the New York Post. He's like, oh, what's the, the New York Post? Oh my gosh. This looks awful on him. Excellent. Investigate it right now. He needs to be prosecuted and put in jail. Like, obviously... At least based on, again, based on both the party mannerisms, the mannerisms of Republicans, at least these extreme Republicans now, and and the mannerisms of Donald Trump himself, it's incredibly apparent that he definitely does not care whether or not this is true. His main concern is making Biden look as worse as human, as bad as humanly possible, which is, in my opinion, the most stupid uh, campaign strategy in the world. Because ultimately, you're no better than them. Like, never, never call out the flaws of other people unless, under, not, let me, don't let me, let me not say it that way because that sounds very hypocritical and kind of stupid. Um, (laughs) You don't live under a life of corruption under, and, and take part in so many horrible things and have so many bad things on your part and then turn around and say, oh, but what about him? Like, I don't care that he, like, okay, yeah, he probably did that, but you've done 15 million things too. Why should I trust you anymore? That's the problem with politically motivated mudslinging. Politically motivated mudslinging is such a horrible strategy because any smart person who listens to it isn't just going to blindly go, oh, he's Satan, he's Satan, you're God. Oh, thank goodness you warned us. Otherwise, we would have never known. No, any intelligent person who hears politically motivated mudslinging like that is immediately going to go, yeah, okay. I mean, after some assessment, it, it could be true. But what about the 10, 15 things you've done that look bad? How do you explain those? I mean, I, you can talk about him all day. I want to talk about the things you're doing as a candidate that make you look suspicious. And then I'll, I'll question him all on his own right. But the problem is the, these engines of political corruption, more specifically in this case, Democrats and Republicans, sit on a light of divinity. They think that they are God and they have never done wrong in the history of the world. That's what, and that's another thing I, I've just recently learned. They don't, they don't think that they're infringing on the natural rights. They've honestly spent over 200 years using the Constitution to excuse away every instance with which they have enforced personal opinions that only benefit one side or the other, or one group or this group or that group, that are very selective in, the, in where the liberty applies and where the, 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 um, the precedent, where the rule of law sits, by saying, oh, but it is the most objectively right thing. And I'm going to get into that later when I talk about the debate. So I'm actually going to hold this there and just say that, yeah, sure, while this may be true, I think Trump is politically motivated by every means. I do think there needs to be investigation into uh, Hunter Biden, into Burisma, and into Joe Biden. Full-fledged investigation. But I don't think it needs to happen now. And it's clear that Trump wanting it to be done now is politically motivated. So that's that. Our final non-election-related news piece, um, actually, second to last one, um, that Trump has a bank account in China. 
that, that's apparently a hot ticket issue right now. President Trump has maintained a bank account in China for years while pursuing hotel deals and other business projects in the region, according to a report Wednesday. The bank account is held by Trump International Hotels Management LLC and paid $188,561 in taxes in China from 2013 to 2015, the New York Times reported, citing an analysis of the president's tax records. China, Britain, and Ireland are the only countries outside the United States where Trump maintains a bank account. Trump Organization attorney Alan Gartin told the Times that the bank account was opened for the purpose of paying local taxes as the company attempted to explore the potential for hotel deals in Asia. It's unclear whether, which Chinese bank holds the account. The bank account's existence surfaced as Trump and his campaign surrogate step up attacks on Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden. <laughs> We've talked about this all day. Uh, uh, his son Hunter's overseas business dealings. Trump has referred to the Biden family as a criminal enterprise in recent campaign stops. In response to the report, Eric Trump, who, res who serves as an executive vice president at the Trump Organization, accused the media of attempting to deflect the public's attention from questions about Biden's dealings. And then it just goes into more and more about all this stuff. Talking about um, tax records that uh, Trump's investments of at least $192,000 in five companies that pursued business dealings in China. Um, uh, talking about more tax hear hearings, his $750 federal income tax in, in 2016. That's, I'm not concerned with that. What I really want to highlight here is, once again, er Eric Trump is excusing this mildly questionable behavior. I'm sorry, but the idea that he could have possibly been venturing a hotel deal in Asia makes perfect sense to me. Uh, the fact that it closed right around 2015 before he ran for president, that makes sense. It was opened in 2013, a little while before he even thought about running for president. It just doesn't look incriminating enough. It's mildly suspicious, but the explanation given... Um, and the information shown is more, there's not enough conflicting information, unlike the Hunter Biden thing where the Biden campaign staff is like, here's the schedule. He never had a time slot for that. But then there's literally an email that says, thanks for letting me meet your dad. Like, okay, I guess that just never happened. I guess that computer doesn't exist and all the files on it have been made up because that's all Republicans do. They make up stuff, right? They just pulled a computer out of thin air and said, here's your evidence, sir. Um... And, and they're throwing this crap at each other over and over again. You know, you've got the Bidens going, oh, that never happened. Trump is Satan. He wants Biden to not save America. And, and, and Eric Trump here is like, oh, well, my dad, my dad is not Satan. He is God. He, his taxes, they're good. Uh, and the whole reason the liberal media is telling you this is because they want you to not focus on Hunter Biden. So instead of actually, like, just stop. Again, with the political part, with the partisan mudslinging, it just doesn't look good. It looks really stupid. So stop doing it. Um, besides that, uh, it's, I think this is mildly, again... When it comes to legitimate assessment of what little information you can get that is uh, unpartisan, the Hunter Biden stuff is just way more, first of all, it's way more incriminating. It's way more suspicious. It's got way too much conflicting information to make, so clearly something's wrong. 
you had Joe Biden right around the time that all of that was going down saying, oh, I'm not going to get you, give you your, your federal aid, even though you just recently, was it just recently or you're in the middle of a, of a political turmoil, uh, but I don't need you to investigate that company that my son just so happens to be working on. <laughs> like, like it, there's way too much colluding information, whereas the Trump account in 20, closed in 2015, uh, Trump turns around and says, oh, that was for uh, a hotel deal. I had opened it in 2013, I had explored it for a couple of years, and then it, I, I closed it because it, it wasn't working. Like, that makes sense. And I've not heard a single soul come out and be like, oh, actually, hello, I am the Chinese bank manager, and uh, this money has been given to us because, uh, so we can, I, I don't know, buy Trump hats or something, like, or sell Trump hats for free, or, or email um, Biden supporters and tell them they're dumb and stupid. Like nobody, there's not enough conflicting information or anything to make this even remotely suspicious for me to be like, oh, ha, huh, they're exactly the same. Like they're really not, despite the fact that that's what, uh, Vice President Biden would argue, um, during the debate. Our last non-debate, well, I guess before I get in, well, no, let me talk about this and then I'll just give the second reminder. So Iran and Russia, they've been found to be trying to inflict in our elections as they always are. And of course, Democrats and Republicans kind of briefly fly over that whole thing. You know, Iranians have just been found to be emailing Biden supporters and threatening to hurt them if they don't vote or no, it's, is it Biden supporters or Trump supporters? It may be Trump supporters. I'm trying to remember now. (laughs) It may be Trump supporters. Actually. All I know is that Iranians are like, there, or the Iranian government or something like that. Something about Iran using governments as, posing as certain support. I think posing as Trump supporters? Posing as a supporter of one of the two and threatening the other group. It could be Biden supporters threatening Trump supporters or tr- Trump supporters threatening Biden supporters. They're, they were posing as Trump supporters to threaten Biden supporters to vote for Trump, which is the worst. I mean, if you're going to an election like that, that's the dumbest possible way to do it. But that's what they were doing, I think. Um, and that's just stupid. And we all know Russia has wanted to interfere in our elections. And I think I think Trump plays way too friendly with Putin. He's like, he's like, I'm incredibly tough. on Nobody's more tough on Putin than I am. Nobody. And he does make some good points when he talks about all the money we're forcing them to pay, but ultimately, I don't think that makes much of a difference to them. I really don't. I think the problem with Trump is, and I don't really want to get into this until we start talking about the debate, is his whole world revolves around money. He thinks that if you if you earn money, you can excuse away things that are bad. If you use, if you make someone pay a bunch of money, that that suddenly means that they're just going to bow down to everything you say. His whole mindset revolves around the money, and that's Joe Biden's best arguing point against him is that Trump only cares about the money. He thinks that if he just shoves money into every situation that he comes across, suddenly that everyone will love him and that the situation will go away, but it's way more complex than that. And that's probably Biden's best uh, fighting chance when it comes to this election. Anyways, uh, one more time, I want to remind you to follow my Instagram. That's at Huey Noah. That's at H-U-G-H-E-Y-N-O-A-H. That's at Huey Noah. Uh, Go to my website and buy some merch because I want money and because I've got merch. Yeah, it helps support the show is basically what I'm saying. Also, if you're interested in reading it, check out my book, Yes Master, on Amazon. It's for, available for $17.99. I think you'll enjoy it. Now, the Thursday presidential debate. What was it like? Uh, I'm going to go... I did a full live 
kind of analysis throughout the night on on my Instagram. I saved all the stories, and I'm kind of going to go through all the major things I highlighted during that debate. I'm going to get rid of all these other photos in my uh, phone that I don't want while I'm at it. All right. So, first of all, the first thing that happened is... Uh, in ter- I said not in terms of his content, but in the, the deliverance, President Trump has, was clearly trying, and so was Pre- uh, Vice President Biden. Um, overall, there the general performance was a lot better. Um, there was not enough garbage to cover up the content of their words um, to make it unbearable. However, let's w- it's when we develop, actually go into their content of their words where the problems still arise. The second thing I immediately noticed is that Biden is not was not did not do what Republicans were hoping. Republicans were really hoping that with the whole mics muting and actually getting a full two minutes to speak, that Biden would suddenly start speaking in tongues and that like he would sound like this complete maniac. Um, I would say the biggest slip ups he had was like misstating someone's name twice. Nothing, no slip up he had in that evening was so detrimental to any of the content that he said to the point to where you couldn't understand it, which is what Republicans were really hoping what would happen. And basically what I specifically said is I said, uh oh, Biden is not seeming to do what Republicans were hoping. He's articulating quite well and making a few pretty nice points, um, as both candidates did. If he doesn't trip up soon, they may lose their edge. Hint, <laughs> hint, they lost their edge. Okay, so... When it comes to their content, I said that they both sit on, at least related to the coronavirus specifically, the same balance of false and emotional information and legitimate fact as the other man. Ultimately, I think they lean too much into attacking each other and not enough into spitting uh, the facts that, at least in their opinion, supports their beliefs. They were relying way too much on saying, "Uh, Hey man, you didn't take care of coronavirus very well. Well, you said that uh, it was xenophobic to close the country. Ah, that never happened. Uh, you literally said, well, it never happened, okay, buddy? Okay, chap? Okay, your dog-faced pony sort of? Well, well, pal, you're just dumb. You're stupid. Your friend Nancy Pelosi was dancing the street in Chinatown. Yeah, you are dumb. Like, that was the whole conversation and 90% of their conversations were them just attacking each other and that's fantastic but again when both of you are equally corrupt when you attack each other you're really what you're really doing is you're making each other look equally bad in the eyes of a rational person now luckily in a two-party system that we have currently that actively uses a failing public education system to turn the American voters into hollowed out stupid pawns for political power uh, nobody's really gonna that's not a big problem Trump supporters who are hardcore Republicans and Trump supporters are not going to question a single thing that flies in his direction. They're going to take any excuse they can to make him look better. Biden supporters or people who at least don't want Trump to win are going to take any excuse they can to pretend Biden has never done a bad thing in his life or at least pretend he's the quote-unquote lesser of two evils. I'm going to get to that in a minute because that's the dumbest thing, the dumbest tradition we've ever, or the dumbest uh, idea that could ever possibly come up in an election as crap as this one. Um... When it came to leaving the, sh- the country shut, Trump is right. The country cannot stay shut down. Suicides, uh, dr- su- substance abuse, death from substance abuse, loss of jobs. This shutting down the country completely is a complete, is the worst thing that happened the whole year. It's a ho- it was a horrible policy move. It made sense in the first two months. Once we started getting into month three, it was unnecessary. Now, I can argue month three and a half, three, four. 
month four. I think that's actually probably safer. The first two to three months, I'll actually argue, it made sense, okay? We didn't know what was going on. The scientists kept trying to talk, and politicians would keep interrupting the talks and keep corrupting the research and keep using it to support political gain because that's all they'll ever care about. Um, but by month, roughly month four, four and a half to five, it started becoming unnecessary because the science was becoming clearer, or at least we knew that we were learning about it. Um, and by that point, the country being shut down was unnecessary. And right now, the country being shut down is horrible. Dr. Fauci himself, Dr. Fauci himself, in an interview with, uh, with ABC, in an interview he did recently, said that we cannot reclose the country. That's a horrible idea. He said himself that if we were to just listen to certain protocols and just take them as we may, and put them into effect, we can safely reopen the country so that we can, people can continue their lives, they can get back on the track that they need to be on, that the economy can begin to flourish again before it completely destroys itself, and we'll be able to prevent ourselves and the people who are at risk from getting the coronavirus. That made perfect sense, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, I think Trump was right on that. However, he completely missed that point. He didn't ever say that. He just said it couldn't happen. He relied way too heavily on political rhetoric than he did actual information to support that point, which is something they both do very commonly. Both parties in general have done in the last 200 years alone. Um, and then Biden turned around, said the same thing, and actually used more information. When Trump, or when Biden was talking about reopening, he was able to talk about the fact that we could use certain tactics, that we could employ certain things to safely reopen the country. Trump just said we couldn't stay closed and that Biden would close it. That's a big thing he played against Biden. He just said, he like basically determined what Biden was going to do for him. Now, let's be clear. These politician types, they do often say they're going to do one thing and don't do it because these politicians are self-serving. They only care about their personal interests. But when you look at the personal interests of the Democrats, reopening will be good for them regardless. Um, so I think to a, to a certain extent, we can argue that, that Biden would reopen the country following these certain ideas. And uh, the idea that Biden was able to bring up the facts related to it, despite the fact that they both argued the same thing, did not look good for Trump. Uh, Trump goes on to talk about how, like, plastic boxes suck. as Like, he's pulling the whole, like, Frick you liberals and your stupid mask, you stupid idiot! Idiot liberals! Like, that's, like, that's what he was pulling with the whole you can't put children in plastic boxes. Like... Here's a th here's an idea. Maybe it helps people. Oh my gosh, what a what a revelation. Maybe it stops the coronavirus from spreading. Oh my gosh, could it be? But it, no, it can't because Trump and many people in his in his caucus um, are way 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 too fervent in their anti-democrat beliefs that anything the democrats say is absolutely must be destroyed and is satan. The same thing goes the other way around, let's be clear. But when we're talking about the specific argument that oh the children they can't sit behind the plastic boxes that you put around uh, the desks that's just stupid, that's dumb. Like no, that's a good precaution to make and it won't hurt anyone or the economy. Um, that was just personal convictions getting um, mixed up with the actual information. They talked about 
Trump's treatment of Dr. Fauci, he was able to make a pretty good argument that, oh, we agree, but he changed. We learned about the coronavirus. He changed his opinion. I changed my opinion. I think... I think a point Biden didn't make and could have made is that Trump was being way too harsh the whole way through. Trump is right. We did learn. That was the whole thing. We didn't know what the coronavirus is about. I said, I've said this 15 million times since January. What makes coronavirus scary is the same thing that makes climate change scary. Not that we know exactly what's going to happen, when it's going to happen, where, how, who, and why. It's the fact that we hardly know any of that. That's what makes it so important. And I think Trump was able to argue that fairly well, especially when it came to his treatment of Dr. Fauci. However, I do believe, and I think Biden should have brought up, that he was way too harsh the whole time, despite the fact that he's now saying, we're learning, we're learning, we're learning so much about the coronavirus. Like, you weren't saying that in January. You you were making pre, pre-assumptive deci- pre-assumptive? I don't know if that's the right word. You were predetermining everything you needed to know about the coronavirus to start predicting that it would be over in Easter, which didn't happen. Um, and then they started talking about how much money they could raise against each other. Again, they're just trying to out-better out each other because ultimately they don't have much to stand on. Let's be honest. They don't have much to stand on. So they started going, well, I can raise more money. Well, I can raise more money. Well, I can raise more money than you. I could raise so much money, Joe. You have no idea. You have no idea how much money I could raise. I could raise so much money that that I could pay off the national debt with just one month's worth of how much money I could raise. But I'm purposely not doing that to make you look better. Like, it was an absolute... That was, it was so stupid. And then they both got each other, which they did, again, multiple times, and they've, you know, historically it happens. Uh, Biden, on Trump's lack of recognition to Biden's family, getting money from the mayor of Moscow's wife, and Biden will definitely say it's not true. Um, and then Trump, of course, had to jump back on the witch, the witch hunt thing. The witch hunt! Which ultimately had, like, little to no effect to anything that ever happened in this country, ever, except Trump was able, was able to use it, and Democrats were hoping to use it uh, as a means to get him out of office, or in his case, put him back into office. So, it was the witch hunt thing, the whole Mueller investigation, though it was politically motivated, most definitely, just like how I think the 2019 uh, impeachment... 2019 impeachment? Yeah, that was 2019 and early 2020. Impeachment stuff was also politically motivated. There were a few facts that came out, and it, it, I think there was the, the best thing that came out of that was the fact that during that, Trump said something about people being silent. I can't remember fully what it was, so forgive me, but he did do something that I think was bad, and I just can't remember what it was. Um, oh, here we go. Uh... When it came to Biden's defense of his son's Burisma dealings, first of all, they relied way too much on the testaments of faceless people and an insult of Trump. And apparently now his son has never done anything wrong in the history of the, of the entire world. Um, 90% of, of Biden's defenses of his son and his Burisma dealings is that it either never happened, is completely fabricated, and is just made up by the magic fairy of false misinformation, um, or... Or uh, he just turns around and says, well, Trump did this bad thing, too. Again, that's amazing, but you still look suspicious. So saying he also looks suspicious just makes me not like either of you. Again, I don't think the American people are quite to an intelligence point where that's a problem. Um, and I don't mean that as an insult. I, I love the American people. I love this country. But the problem is the American people are being turned into hollowed out pawns for political power. 
That's all they are anymore. Their votes have been predetermined because they, they sit in echo chambers, are locked down by the chains of political party and political ideology, and they just vote one way or another, whether it be, oh, this guy was good on taxes, and that's it. He sucks at every other system or every other thing. Let me vote for him and his party every single time. Like, they dumb down the American people to a point that they will never question anything they do. And so I keep looking at this from the, the perspective of someone unlike me who's completely neutral completely neutral in every possible way and when you look at it through that and just look at the information again making someone else look bad doesn't make me not like you based on the things that make you look bad it just makes me not like either of you um when it came to the trump bank account he said it's listed it was closed 2015 maybe a deal in china uh i decided not to do it and of course hurled insults at at joe when it came to dealing with China, Biden said China should play by international rules and Trump embraces our enemies and pokes our allies and that it's not good. Trump says billions and billions of dollars as uh, China paying $28 billion to farmers. Um, he's saying, you didn't do that, Joe. You didn't do that, Joe. And then 25% on dumped steel. Um, Trump, that's an okay point. But the problem is, um, and I think, let me think, I don't, did either one of them mention the Uyghur concentration camps? I don't think they did. There's a literal genocide going on in China right now against Uyghurs and Muslims, and we're completely overlooking it because ultimately both of these guys will stop at a certain point. Trump is tough on China when it comes to like stuff that will affect our taxes and tariffs and stuff like that. But when it comes to like, oh, here's a ginormous civil rights problem. Here's like, here's Hong Kong losing its freedom day by day as the blood of the innocent freedom fighters falls into the streets. Trump's like, oh, but I gave them so much money, though. They have to pay $28 billion in, they have to pay $28 billion that goes to our farmers. It's like, that's amazing. There are dead freedom fighters because we refuse to at least acknowledge these guys. So I think if we were to mix their ideas of the they have to play by international rules and the um, let's make them pay, that that would both work fine. But again, these guys aren't going to do that because they're more concerned with what they can do to make the other guy look bad because they don't care. Um, he said that our North Korean relationship was basically tough but fair, that it was different but good. Um, personally, I think he kind of cozies up to dictators too much. Do I think, oh, he's best friend. Do I, am I like these like Stephen Colbert types who's like, ah, guys, look, I'm so funny and, po- and popular. Uh, Donald Trump is best friends with, is, with Putin. Let's make a stupid cartoon about it. Like, no, that's a load of bull crap. And it's clearly motivated by your political, uh, with, uh, stan- let me think, stance against Trump and not at least from an outside of your own opinion, looking on the inside of the entire situation, looking from the outside in Trump. He does good on trying to be tough, but on trying to be tough but fair. But the problem is he gets way too comfortable with them because, again, I think his mind revolves way too much on how the money can flow instead of actually focusing on certain things like civil liberties, natural rights, and stuff like that in other countries. Um, again, Biden says that they have to play by the rules, so we basically control them. Um, which, it's fine. Again, it's uh, if you mix them, it would be okay. But again, that's never going to happen because they don't actually care. Um, Joe Biden said something. So Trump was arguing, uh, I'm, I'm trying to make sure we have a good, a good relationship with them. And then Joe Biden said we had a good relationship with Hitler before he invaded Poland. I Listen, 
maybe I'm just being dumb, but all I ever remember learning in, in, in any uh, social studies hat class is that the United States remained completely and entirely neutral the whole time. Well, the thing is, though, I think we officially did. Yes, there were people in government and people in the citizen of citizens who, who wanted us to join sides. Um, we, there was a Nazi regiment in Asheville, the local town that I'm like 20 minutes away from here in North Carolina. But we were officially neutral. And this idea that we were friends with Hitler, I think the problem is when you look at it from an outside perspective looking in, these partisan engines don't understand the concept of not picking sides whether or not both sides are corrupt or not, because Republicans and Democrats, this two-party system does not accept the complexities of political discourse and of the functions of government and how go international governments interact within each other. They think the whole world is this cartoon where it's good guys versus bad guys, and we have to stop the bad guys, and we are always the good guys. Like, apparently Republicans and Democrats live in this magic fairyland. They live in Disneyland, where it's nothing but bad guys and good guys, and it's up to us, the always good guys who have never done anything wrong in the history of the world to stop the evil Republican Trumpsters. Like, that's never, ever, 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 ever been how human history, human politics, human government reaction, uh, interactions, whether it be between governments or within one government, that's never how anything has ever worked. So when he talks about, oh, we had a good relationship with Hitler, I think he's misinterpreting that because we were neutral up until the very end. Um... Okay, the next question was about the, the Affordable Care Act. Well, let's strike it down. Uh, Trump was basically saying Obamacare sucks. Let's replace it uh, without the individual mandate. Always protect pre-existing conditions. He said beautiful, better health care, beautiful health care. More people with private health care. Uh, Biden would strike down private health care, socialism health care. And he said basically Trump care without saying Trump care. Um... Again, I think a lot of this stuff relied on rhetoric. He was like, oh, Biden is going to be used by the radical left to implement socialism that will kill your private health care. That many, many, many citizens are very happy with their private health care. Best private health care in the world, actually. And Biden will strike it down because he's a puppet for the radical Democrat left. Uh, Biden said that he literally flat out said Biden care that it, there was going to be a public option that would reduce premiums and drug prices, negotiate with insurance companies. He said, I'm not socialist because I support private insurance. That's not going to happen. That didn't happen under Obamacare. Trump can't predict pre-existing conditions. Doesn't ever actually explain why. Again, the same exact thing. Mostly rhetoric, uh, mostly either defenseless or hard to defend things. And just political nonsense to make the other guy look bad, to say that I never did any bad thing at all, to say that, uh, you know, he can't possibly do the one good thing he just said he could do or would try to do. That's just never going to happen because I said so. Um, again, I'm going to say that a lot because that's all these guys throw at each other. Um, <laughs> a common question Biden asked was, was, what will you be doing in bed tonight? It was either, will you be rolling over and someone won't be there, or will you be in bed, like, stressed out over, uh, I think, feeding children? 
uh, he was like, oh, well, Biden can't be can't be moderate because Kamala is a liberal and liberals will make socialism and fracking is gone and Biden is changing. He's becoming liberal. And he was like, he will destroy your Medicare. He will be socialist. And Bernie Sanders is a socialist that has nothing to do with the point, but he is. And that's socialist. And Biden will become socialist because I said so. And obviously, no one who supports me will ever question anything I ever say, despite the fact that that likely won't happen. But since I said it, it obviously will. Um, that happened. He's like, oh, but Biden's been, he's been in office for 47 years. And, you know, that happened. And that's a fair point to a certain extent, but it's irrelevant by this point. Um, Biden was arguing very well with his elitist, anti-elitist common man approach. Um, and this is something I wanted to talk about earlier. Trump thinks way too much in the money. Um, Trump is focusing very almost too much on stock markets, on stuff like that. Like, that determines how good America is. He focuses very heavily on the amount of jobs he has, he created before the pandemic. And though those are good things, and I'm very glad that they happened the way they did, literally every other topic in the entire country was going to absolute, um, going to absolute garbage, just burning in a dumpster fire because he doesn't know how to deal with multiple, um, things because ultimately both Democrats and Republicans, since they're only concerned with whatever will benefit their political utopia, since they're so terrified of a world of unpartisanship where liberals and conservatives can live right next door to each other and not want to dominate each other in government, they are able to do good in one, two, three things that they want to take care of and then just ignore every other problem ever or just treat it horribly. Um, and so Biden's common man approach is like, oh, I'll make sure the economy is good, but I'm going to focus on the people is a very good argument on his part. Um, Kristen, I think her name's Kristen Welker, the moderator. I really liked her, but she asked a really dumb question. It was like, um, I don't remember what it was about anymore, but she was like, but you're the president, not apparently not remembering that it's the, um, that the presidency isn't the strongest branch. Um, I don't remember what I said about this, about Biden pushing something. It's probably something related to economics or something like that. He's like, oh, but I have push been pushing it. Um, it may have been about vaccines, actually. Um, but regardless, I I remember mocking it because I was like, no, you haven't. You, you've started pushing it just recently. Um, oh, I really, and this is one of my least favorite arguments from Biden, the I'm a proud Democrat, but I'll be an American president is probably the dumbest thing he's ever said. The goal of political party is not to make America more like America. It is the goal of party to make America more like party. Okay. This whole, I'm a proud Democrat, but I'll be an American president. No, an American president wouldn't respect political parties regardless because American beliefs were not founded within party. Parties came along later and basically took a giant crap on American values and said, that is American values now because it's touching them. And everyone just kind of went, oh, we don't really like that. They said, shut up. We're going to make you stupid. And then you'll never question what we say ever again. And that's what's happened for 200 years. These parties, this system, this whole thing is a load of garbage. It doesn't work. It's never worked. It sits on idealistic perfectionism that, oh, everything is absolutism, that 
you know, I'm the good guy, you're always the bad guy, and I will always be better than you. They sit on a, uh, I've said this in so many times on this show, they sit on these ivory tower, ivory towers of divine perfection, that everything they believe is the best thing in the entire world. And so, no, I don't believe you can be a proud Democrat and be an American president. I don't. I really don't. The first president that was a proud Federalist, but an American president, uh, let me think, was it two months or 20 days? I think it was 20 days into his presidency, worked with his Federalist Congress to sign a, path, a group of bills that politically silenced his opposition. If that is where political parties began in this country, you really expect me to believe that they suddenly became better? Human beings have proven they don't get better with time, unless someone stands up and tells them to shut up. And that hasn't happened in America. Um... Trump has argued that argued that when it came to minimum wage, it should be a state option. And I said that was the best thing he said all night. Now, when, when it came to the debate, when it comes to the debate on minimum wage, I we keep focusing on minimum wage as if it's the only thing that Americans are ever going to potentially get to get to survive with an income off of. Because often Americans don't end up in jobs or don't often go to college or they just for some reason end up in circumstances that go to a minimum wage and minimum wage can be anywhere from six five, six, seven, eight dollars, usually no, not over seven though, like seven twenty, I think it is here. Uh, Biden argued that, um, that if you raise the minimum wage, it doesn't hurt the economy that happened in New York and it did hurt the economy and it's happened almost anywhere else. You try it. My general consensus when it comes to the debate on the minimum wage is why are we focusing on the minimum wage? You want Americans to do, to, um, get be able to go to a job that they can get paid well for and maybe even one they enjoy okay focus on the education system education reform especially public education reform is a, is an issue i'm very much in favor of because the public education system along the lines of the factory model with which it was designed directly off of um that which was designed by a prussian dictator doesn't work it's been proven multiple times that the factory model of education turns off a child's interest for learning. And that interest never turns back on on its own. Almost never. I, I, I'm not going to be absolutist here. It happens in a margin, but that margin isn't large enough to say that it's substantial. Americans go into the factory model education, into our public education, and slowly their interest in research, in topics, in any sort of topic, and, and, and the general information they're supposed to be learning goes to a zero. That's why fourth graders, and it makes sense when you look at statistics from like the National Assessment of, of Educational Progress statistics that show that fourth graders do better at the things they're supposed to know than twelfth graders. Twelfth graders have a proficiency rate of, of only of less than half, less than 50% is a 12th graders proficiency rate in the topics they're supposed to be learning. It's a little over half, I believe in fourth graders that makes perfect sense with the factory model of education that turns off any interest in research. That's what I mean when I say it dumbs down the American people because it dumbs that, them down by turning their off their interest to learning. So they just don't listen to anything they're being taught. Yes, reforming education, especially public education, would be a daunting task of immense proportions. How do you completely change that whole system in a way that could help? That's why it's important to talk to educational professionals and apply theories and see what works in a way that will best benefit the American people. Because if you update, if you, I'm not going to say update, that sounds kind of stupid. If you fix the, the public American, uh, public education system in America, American citizens would finally come out 
not intellectually disadvantaged. They could finally go out, and if they wanted to, they could go to college. They could go to a trade school. They could go do something that will give them necessary information to accomplish some sort of job, to uh, pull off some sort of feat. Maybe they're going to start their own business. Maybe they're going to become, I don't know, an insurance agent. Maybe they're going to become real estate. And and overall, it just makes people smarter because they, they'll want to learn. If we change the public education system in a way that simply changes the mindset of American kids so that they want to learn for the rest of their lives, the, the knowledge, the amount of intelligence Americans could finally have, we wouldn't have to rely on people coming from other countries to be our smartest people. Trump made a very big deal when he was talking about his immigration plan from like two years ago that we want all the best and brightest people from around the world. Here's an idea. Just make our people the best and brightest people in the world. But a reason Republicans and Democrats almost never talk about this issue, and I don't think they hardly ever will, is because if you allow American people to become smarter, more interested in learning, and just more adept at researching, what they would realize is that these parties are completely unfit to have power, and the people within them are nothing more than corrupt pawns or want us to be the corrupt pawns for their political power because they're absolutists who have no faith in true freedom, in true liberty. And so, if we were to design a public education system where people come out intelligent, not only would it take away their power, but in a positive sense, Americans could finally go and do what they wanted with that information that they're going to learn, with, with the ability that they have now to do research. They could go do jobs that they love, they could go do jobs that pay well, and they could turn around and still contribute that to the to the economy. If we just sit here and play with the minimum wage, one, it's going to completely screw up the economy of everywhere that it messes with. You move it up too much, it'll the prices could go too high, you move it down too much, people are going to go into poverty. You mess with the minimum wage too much, and it just starts causing problems for everyone, regardless of what you do with it. If you make it higher, it starts getting too bad. You make it too low, it starts getting too bad. What we need to do is we need to invest in the American people. And that's something that neither of these candidates have truly done. What Donald Trump considers investing in the American people is throwing money at them. What Democrats, what Joe Biden considers investing in the American people is throwing money at them. They have the same exact philosophy that if I just put money into these communities, into these stupid social programs, into these other things, if I just raise the minimum wage, if I just make more jobs, if I just make more jobs fall from the sky, that will solve our problem. That's not the whole issue. The whole issue is we need enough jobs that can sustain Americans. We need jobs that are minimum wage. And we need to open up the markets and jobs so that people can go and do what they love. Because life is so much more than getting up every day, going to, going to your Walmart job, making $7 an hour, and that just be it. That's not, that shouldn't be it. People should be able, willing, and able and willing to go do jobs that, that they love doing and those jobs being able to pay them well so that they can be happy and fulfilled with their lives and turn around and spend that money and put that money right back into the economy. Maybe I'm being, being too idealist about this. Maybe this is way too much of a perfectionist idea. But I think within reason, this idea is far better than just saying, let's give a bunch of people money, let's make the minimum wage higher, or let's keep the minimum wage where it is, and just hope that if we create jobs and raise the minimum wage and, you know, replace jobs and do all this other useless bullcrap, that that's going to make life better for Americans all around. It's half some because, again, the way to solve that problem would suddenly take away the power from the Republican and Democratic Party, and they can't 
ever do that. An intelligent American populace that can able to turn around and do all these things with their money, with their lives, with their happiness, they would finally be able to to look into the facts and really see that this two-party system, these parties, are an abject failure. They're not worth defending. Because at least right now, even if they do question the parties, they find some way to excuse one of them or the other because they don't know what else exists. Because they're chained down by, di by intellectual disen disenfranchisement, by a poor, failing public education system, and they're obsessed with these one-sided political party ideals that have been instilled in them since practically since birth. And when it comes to this issue, I'm very supportive of fixing the, of fixing the public education system. It would take away their power, and it, I think it could genuinely do a lot of good when it comes to stuff like the economy. Anyways, that's a lot. Um, Trump was asked something. Let's see what it said. Uh, that's right. Uh, there's, I think, some four f 450 children that are missing their parents right now because of a, mis because of a mismanagement down at the border. Uh, Trump said something about coyotes and cartels. Yes, that's happening, but that's not the full story. Let's be honest. That's not the full story. Once again, Republicans and Democrats only tell half the story. Trump makes it out that it's mostly cartels. Biden makes it out that it's mostly, quote-unquote, dreamers. The system, when it comes to our immigration. I think both of these guys, again, they're just skirting the question to promote political power. And I've said this so many times in this episode alone that I don't need to really go into too much detail about it. All I need to say is that he skirted the question. He answered it bad. Um, we're trying very hard is the worst answer to the question I could ever possibly hear. Oh, you know, there's 500 parents missing their children. You know, how are you going to find those parents? Uh, well, we're trying. Okay. How? We're trying. We're trying, Kristen. Just listen to me. We're trying. Shh. Sleep, Christian. We're trying. We're trying. Like, that's... It was a horrible answer. I didn't like it. Um, when it comes to immigration, I truly believe the system should be reformed, but I don't think we should just allow anyone in and make it incredibly easy. Uh, we just need to reinforce the system in a way where people are able to uh, easily and effectively get in without it being so easy that, uh, you know, uh, murderers and rapists can just walk right in and just be like, oh, what's your record? Ah, here it is, and it'd just be a false record or something. Biden said catch and release is good. Trump said catch and release is bad. Biden said it's not true. Um, but Trump said, I thought Trump's points were fair. Um, but then he said that people who cross the border are generally stupid. And that was a, a bad thing. When it came to the argument on race, let me drink some water. My throat hurts. Oh my gosh. When it came to race in America... <laughs> Biden's argument was mostly emotional, generalized statements using paper-thin kind uh, intersection the the paper-thin intersectionality argument. He kind of just argues that life is always, always bad for every black person that's ever existed, and always, always good for every white person that's ever existed, which is obviously wrong. He he argued that it didn't matter if you were rich or poor, that if you were black, you had to teach your children certain things, which just isn't true. Because uh, all black people aren't the same, all white people aren't the same, all police officers aren't the same, all politicians aren't the same, all uh, 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 lesbians aren't the same, all straight people aren't the same, all gay people aren't the same. Like, that's literally the dumbest position you could ever possibly take, ever. That all of any human being is the same because of the identity they share. That's a load of bullcrap. 
thousands upon millions of years of human history has proven that will never, ever be true. So why would you even remotely argue it? Now, what about Trump's case? He's like, I love black people. Abraham Lincoln is like maybe or maybe not loves black people as much as I do. I sink more money into prison reform, opportunity zones, and anything that will take any my money related to black people. An argument that is, in my opinion, just as bad as the emotional one. While Biden just made this ridiculous pandering intersectionality emotional argument, Trump just turned around and said, oh, but I throw so much money at them. Again, his whole mindset is that if he just throws money at people, that the issues will go away, which isn't true. It needs to be a mix of both. And until you do that, which that'll never happen with Republicans and Democrats, and it'll never happen with these two candidates especially, um, the problem won't be solved. Oh, and another thing, though, is when it comes to race and racism in America, that's a social issue. I firmly believe you can't just legislate racism out of existence. That's an issue that the American people have to take and withstand themselves. There's a really great book. Orbit, the art inside of it, science of influence. It has nothing to do with race. But what it teaches you about influence, influencing other people is gold. Um, I definitely recommend you get a copy of this book. Orbit, the art and science of influence by Dan Mann. Excellent book. It's got a lot of good information. And I believe it's going to be up to the American people to use the art and science of influence to change issues like that, because you can't just legislate racism out of existence. Honestly, when you try to do it, it actually empowers racists and makes them even more racist. Um, so it's it's not very good whatsoever. And again, it's a social issue. It's going to be up to the people to socially solve it. The government can do a few things here and there and are often, I think, required to, but they can't solve the issue outright, and that's never going to be how it works. Um... Biden argued he never said racist things in the 70s when he clearly did. Um, he said drugs shouldn't be a reason you go to jail and that you need re rehabilitation. You don't need to be locked up for the rest of your life for nonviolent drug crimes. It's an excellent point. I completely agree. However, Kamala Harris being his running mate is the worst possible choice for an argument like that when she, uh, I don't think, has ever released a nonviolent drug offender in the state of California in her life. Um... And then basically he was like, I'm better than him. I've got better character. He kept using the, it's an argument of character thing, or it's a debate of character argument, I should say. And unfortunately, what he's trying to paint it out is he's trying to paint himself as, a, as the morally superior candidate when the reality is objective moral superiority simply doesn't exist between these men. And it certainly doesn't exist between the Republican and Democratic Party. Um... Once again, he turned around, Trump said something about him, and he was like, oh, but these 50 nameless, faceless guys said he's wrong. And they, you know, clearly could never be corrupt in any possible way. Um, Trump got offended at something. Um, Trump or Biden spouted political action uh, rhetoric. Um, Trump's best argument, he pulled it out again, the all talk, no action, the fact that Tr Biden's been in office for so many years, and all of a sudden now he's going to solve all the problems that he basically saw get instated in the first place. Um, when it came to climate change, Trump basically said, we're amazing, we're the best, we're, you know, cleanest this, best that. He's just being a salesman to promote this. He's saying, like, we're, oh, we're already fine, we're already good, doesn't matter. Um, and that we should focus on other things. He's just being a salesman, which is a load of garbage. Uh, Biden says that we have to, that scientists say this, we need to listen to scientists, we to, we're reaching the point of no return. Um... It's a labor and environment uh, people like his plan. 50,000 charging stations, 4 million existing billion buildings leaking, millions of jobs 
uh, and health at stake. His strongest point was his climate economy plan. Under the assumption that he would go through with it, that it wouldn't become radical, which Trump kept trying to argue that it just absolutely had to, that it was absolutely going to be radical, that it was going to be the AOC Green New Deal, when there was no evidence that it was going to be... Um, uh, um, when Biden's plan, when it comes to economy and, and climate, I think could be very good. I think a, a slow transition from oil jobs to, to um, I almost said natural gas specifically because that's one of those preferred, but from oil jobs to green jobs, I think a, a slow shift is required soon because, again, when it comes to climate change, it's not the fact that we know everything about it that makes it that makes it bad. It's the fact that we keep getting it wrong. Like if we keep getting all the stuff we've predicted wrong, who knows how bad or good it could end up being for us? That's why it's so important that we do deal with issues like climate change, so that we never have to find out. Instead of finding out how bad it could be, let's just not. Um, and and Biden's the only one on that stage who's even willing to try and admit that. Trump, meanwhile, turns around and says that we have to keep the oil alive and the factories to economically compete, which I think is disillusioned. And I think big oil is talking through him there. We don't need to rely on big oil and these and these polluting factories to keep our economy alive. Joe is right. If we did a slow transition, I think we could create millions of jobs. We do that. We reform education. There's a few things you could do. And I think the economy, our economy would still stand. This notion that we have to have oil to have a good, a good competing economy, I think is just big oil companies talking through Donald Trump. Um, a question was asked, is like, there's families living near factories that think they're getting sick from poisoned waters and stuff. Many of these factories, you rolled back on regulations. How do you respond to these families who are getting sick? Because possibly on these factorations, you rolled regulations back on from these factories. How do you think... How do you respond to them? And he's like, well, they have lots of money, and I give them lots of money. Again, Trump is turning around, thing, saying, oh, but they earn a lot of money, so they, it doesn't matter if they get poisoned and die. They they make a good salary, and I give them lots of money. Um, again, he thinks way too much that if he just throws money at a problem, if he just says, oh, but they make so much money, that that suddenly changes the fact that, hey, dude, they may or may not getting be getting poisoned and dying because of this. We can't just sit around and expect that to, to not... Just, that problem just goes away because I, you know, oh, it's like, it's like, honey, our, our, our water is being poisoned by the factory up the street. Ah, oh, don't worry, dear. I make $400,000 a year. That means that our, we can't possibly die. Like, that's not, it's a horrible argument. It's paper thin. It doesn't stand. Um, Biden argued that plants pollute and hurt people. He said he experienced it. We have to keep them safe. Hold back the plants. Um. Again, Trump was acting like shifting to renewable energy is a bad idea that Trump or that Joe isn't going to try and be safe with it. The latter is arguable, but he's jumping to conclusions to try and push a political point so that people will vote for them. He doesn't actually care. Um, the last question was, what would you say to people who didn't vote for you on Inauguration Day? Apparently, Trump will just talk about how black, how he loves black people, how he loves Asians, how he loves women. He talks about numbers. He talks about unify. He talks about success. He talks about raising taxes. And he talks about if you vote for Joe, you're going to go into a depression. Ha <laughs> um, ha! It was nothing but rhetoric and buzzwords. Politically one-sided garbage to support his personal opinion so that you would be scared of the other guy and put him up on a pedestal so that on November 3rd, you vote for Donald Trump. Okay. What about Joe Biden? Is he truly the intellectual man of integrity, of intelligence, of, of absolute godliness? No. It, 
he's like, oh, I I'm a Democrat, but I'll be the president of all of you. All science, hope, forward, opportunities, grow, racism, economy, again, clean energy, jobs, for the fourth time, straight facts. It's all about the character of the country, except the character of the country obviously has to be my personal political opinions because they're objectively better in every possible way. Again, rhetoric and buzzwords. Nothing but rhetoric and buzzwords to make you feel warm and safe in his arms so that when he turn around, turns around and drone strikes 50,000 innocent people in Yemen, you won't question it whatsoever. And that's all they're doing. Because again, neither one of these morons, neither one cares about you at all. If that's a surprise to you, you're stupid. I don't care. That is an insult. When I said the American people are being are becoming stupid, that was just I'm saying that they're being used. But if you honestly think they care about you, no, I'm insulting you. You're a moron. So, overall, and I'm going to read you this little paragraph and expand on it. What I ended the, in the night with saying was, overall, the presence was in immensely better. However, the content that they were speaking of lies in, largely, buzzwords and rhetoric. Whether it be outright lying, denial of information they didn't like to hear, and lastly, the assumption of moral and political superiority. What these men are calling unity, what they call the character of the country, is really just them making the underhanded argument that their personal and political beliefs are objectively better in every way, which is just wrong in every way, which is just wrong in every way. Um, they want you to think that their personal opinions, that everything that they just so happen to believe with is objectively, morally, politically, and socially better to be implemented in America. That is wrong. There are good things from both sides. But the problem is, um, that's not a problem. Or that's not going to solve it. Going to help run a, a country such as ours. The last thing I said is overall... I still don't see a lesser of two evils. Even if I think both could do good in one specific topic or another, even if I don't think, uh, even if I think both could do good in one specific topic or another. The truth is, doing good in two offhand areas is not enough to adequately run a nation of diverse and complex issues. And I stand by that assessment. There is not a lesser of two evils in these men. They are morally the same. They are politically... Um, only, only differed in uh, what they want the country to do. They are the same in the tactics they will achieve, or they will take part in to achieve those uh, goals for the country, which are one-sided and self-serving. Um, and ultimately, they want to argue objective moral and political superiority over their opponent by simply abusing the words of the Constitution, by simply pulling at your heartstrings, by using political rhetoric and manipulating an American populace that I think is largely intellectually not there. The American people in this election are being completely used by both sides. They'll take anything they can get. And even the ones that question the system, that say it's bad, say, well, we have no choice. How do we fight it? Well, my first response is that you actually try. Sitting back and going, well, we have no choice. Let's pick a lesser of two evils. I call that... Uh, bending over. You're giving up. So clearly you don't care or you simply uh, aren't willing to take a stand. Well, I disagree. I am willing to take a stand. I refuse to say that there's a lesser of two evils in those two men when clearly all they have to support themselves is rhetoric, buzzwords, and an assumption of superiority in every possible way that is obviously false because objective superiority and objective moral good is 
is a tricky subject in and of itself, but, a, but another thing, the objective truth doesn't lie in a right wing. There is no right side to history. The world is not black and white. It's not good versus evil. And there isn't a lesser of two evils in this situation. There is nothing but two of the same man who is more concerned with his personal and political convictions and is willing to manipulate a populace he has dumbed down to achieve those convictions and to convince the American people and himself and his party that those personal convictions are the most objectively true things when it comes to the legal precedent in our country dating going as far back as the Constitution and following the assumption that we as a government respect nothing but the natural rights of the citizens of this nation and the legal precedent that we have established to protect and preserve those natural rights. They don't care about you. There is no lesser of two evils. And personally, the only candidate I could support would be Joe Jorgensen, the libertarian candidate. She has plenty of problems that I don't agree with. Um, but ultimately, even if it's extreme, she supports freedom. Real freedom. Not this manipulative, one-sided garbage that just pretends to be freedom to benefit the political goals and self-serving aspirations of a party or a group. So, I would count this as my official endorsement to um, Joe Jorgensen for president. Uh, because even if she goes to the extreme with it, she at least, at least she supports freedom. Um, so yeah, that's my closing point today. That there isn't a lesser of two evils. That the idea that there is, is just excuses. It's just political manipulation taking its finest stand. And that even if you don't think that you can fight against this, the two-party system, you have an obligation to. Because the two-party system is the most anti-freedom thing I've ever seen in my life. Um... So, yeah, that's, that's my closing statement for the day. Make sure to follow my Instagram. That's at Huey Noah. That's at H-U-G-H-E-Y-N-O-A-H. That's at Huey Noah. Uh, check out my merch on my website. It's on the shop section. Or check out my book, Yes Master, available on Amazon for $17.99. I go into depth into the many of the things I just talked about. So if you want a, a, like a printed copy of kind of the things I believe and my assessment of... Um, certain situations. I go into a lot of detail. I talk about the left and the right. I even talk about uh, self, self-assessment, self like looking over and being like, am I politically partisan? Because independents and centrists, I actually think, are even worse than Republicans, Democrats, the left or the right, um, which I've never really had an opportunity to get into, but I'd love to do, to do so. Um, but yeah, check out the book, check out my merch, follow my Instagram. Thanks so much for listening in. Uh, make sure, and I don't, I, I, I made an opinion where I said, not to endorse, pe tell people to vote when I can't vote myself, but I'll be able to vote in the next election, and it's a pretty big election. So yeah, if you're going to vote, um, vote for a candidate you truly believe in. Uh, don't vote for someone who's who has higher chances, because ultimately that's just you f bending over to a system that won't ever give up. And it's not fair to the American people to just sit back and take it as they as their rights get trampled on as their natural liberties and their natural and those natural rights are just completely blown up because it's never going to go away you can't sit on your butt and hope that this corrupt two-party system just goes away it's never going to if you do that you're empowering the corruption and uh so yeah if you do vote vote for a candidate you believe in not for one that uh has higher chances of winning
vote for candidates you honestly believe would uh, would uh, support your natural rights as a citizen of this great country. Thank you so much for listening in, and I will see you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>